welcome to the Craft Beer Showdown podcast, where information is king, drinking is mandatory, and the beer is always flowing. Now, let's check in with your hosts and see what's on draft in this session. Hi, and welcome to the Craft Beer Academy podcast, the Craft Beer Showdown, session number 22. In this session, I got the chance to sit down with Drew Larson from the Cicerone Certification Program and talk all things beer education and beer appreciation. The Cicerone Certification Program is an entity and a program that focus all around learning about beer, not just what you read on the internet and what you might hear in podcasts like this, but truly understanding beer and truly learning about beer so that you can not only appreciate it better yourself, but help others to appreciate it better, whether that's working in a bar, a brewery, or just an education program and have a website where you like to talk to people. Uh, Whatever it is, the Cicerone Certification Program is the premier way to learn about beer and to show others what you know. A lot of people think that Cicerone is just another word for sommelier when it comes to people that talk about beer. And while both are very skilled, very knowledgeable individuals, uh, there are some pretty big differences. And Drew and I sit down, talk about it, and I actually come away with a little bit more knowledge than I had before the podcast. I hope you will too. So, enough introduction. Here's the Craft Beer Showdown, session number 22, with Drew Larson from the Cicerone Certification Program. Hi, Drew. How are you? Uh, I am good. Thank you. Um... I'm talking to Drew today because I'm really interested in the Cicerone program. I know a lot of people talk about it, and a lot of people don't really know what Cicerone is, what the different levels are, kind of all that little bit of background. I think a lot of people just think it's like being a sommelier, and that's it. Um, But before I get into all that, I want to know a little bit about you personally. Um, So what exactly is your job at at Cicerone? Uh, So at the Cicerone Certification Program, I am the Eastern Regional Exam Manager. So I manage, set up, proctor, uh, et cetera, the exams for the eastern half of the U.S. And then I am also part of the content team. So there's four of us primarily, and of course, Ray Daniels would be part of that team, that look in on and manage the, the content, whereas Pat Fahey, one of our master Cicerones, actually manages the content. Oh, okay. And when you say content, do you mean the actual content of the tests and what's in the exams and and all of that? Exactly. So, you know, content is huge because we are constantly striving to ensure that the content is accurate and that it's open source and that, uh, you know, questions are written properly. Pat Fahey puts in a lot of time and energy to make sure, for example, that questions are written properly. You know, because you want a question to uh, be 100% answerable by somebody who does know the answer and not answerable by somebody who doesn't. And that takes a lot of time and energy. Uh, and then the exams themselves. So when one of us writes a tasting exam, which we do for every single exam, it goes through the entire content team to get signed off on. Oh, wow. So you actually do a different, basically a different tasting exam for every uh, test that you do. Yes, every single oh, okay. test we write a brand new tasting exam. It's all on the same kind of modality, but that way, you know, people can't go, "Oh, they always use hennepin." Period. <laughs> you know. Okay. 
Uh, how long have you been with the company? I actually just started in December full time. Previous to that, I was doing some proctoring for them. Okay. Um, uh, and this is just kind of the you know off the wall question, but sure. you know I hate I hate the question of what's your favorite beer, but do you have a favorite style that you've kind of grown to like, or maybe you know respect more now that you do this work a little more? Right. You know, honestly, you know, it's funny when you say respect because I lived in Germany for three years. And so I have taken a real shine and love to German styles because of their simplicity. Uh, but they don't often travel over here very well. So for a long time, I was just diehard Reinheitsgebot of fifteen sixteen. All any brewer needs is four ingredients. <laughs> and as I have grown into the beer scene, I've come to realize how many unbelievable flavors are out there <laughs> and are accessible when you have people like American craft brewers who will throw their boot in if they think it'll be good and Belgians who put whatever they want in and some of these flavors just come together unbelievably. So I've, I've come to respect the, the, um, variance and the, uh, ability to, you know, paint a palette with a brew kettle. And that, that's actually probably the best way I've heard that put. I always just like to say that I like just about any beer that, follows whatever its style is you know well and correctly right well um, that's interesting you know if i taste a perfect hellas that's exciting to me um but at the same time if somebody brings me a coffee saison you know the first time i heard that i thought they were out of their minds and i blew that one because that particular beer i'm thinking about was absolutely delicious <laughs> so i've really come to respect what a brewer can do with his brew kettle and with his fermenters and Everything else not. Oh, definitely. So, kind of, I guess, starting at the top, um, for anyone who's not 100%, you know, in the know of what Cicerone is, what is the Cicerone program? So, the Cicerone certification program was started by Ray Daniels in 2008. Uh, he, it's actually a reg, the, the word Cicerone is actually trademarked by the program. And as craft beer started getting bigger and bigger, Ray, who has written many of the industry's most leading books to including designing great beers, which I can't imagine. I, I don't know a single brewer who doesn't have that on their shelf or have learned from it, started realizing that there are these programs out there for wine and such, but there was nothing for beer. And he would go into bars like all of us and you'd have crazy um, – uh, glassware for the beer they were using or not at all, or it was dirty. And there was no unified body saying, you know, this is what a person should know. And he decided to start a program that would test a person's knowledge and kind of codify what they know and help that person then prove to the, to the industry that they're a professional. So he started this program and Cicerone itself uh, literally means to be a guide or to guide. And that's the way we think of ourselves. We think of ourselves as guides to beer so that I'm not out there telling a person at a, you know, who's asking me about beer, how much I know about beer more. I internalize what I know about beer so that when that person at the restaurant or client, uh, buying beer, you know, for a retail location, ask me a question, I can just help them find the right beer. So that's the Cicerone certification program, kind of in a nutshell. 
And that, once again, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. And I think that's kind of where I draw the line between, you know, a beer person and a beer snob yeah. is the, you know, having the knowledge and knowing when to use it. You know, like the, the old G.I. Joe thing, knowing is half the battle and the other half is knowing when to use the knowledge. Yeah. So, you know, I also happen to be a certified sommelier uh, with three different certifying bodies. So there's one of the big difference, too, is one, the Cicerone certification program. We're the only one that uses the term Cicerone. It's a registered trademark, whereas the sommelier is a ubiquitous term. And there's several programs out there that certify and do things for the sommelier. But I learned a long time ago, for example, you know, because people really know the term wine snob, for example. If I'm at a wine tasting with wine people and I'm uh, doing education with wine, I'm okay swirling the wine in my mouth, slurping it, spitting it, and all these types of things. But when I'm sitting at a, a table with anybody else who aren't doing these things, I'm not going to do all that stuff. I'm just going to sip my wine and enjoy it. If somebody asks, you know, what uh, what would go great with this steak, I'll simply say you might enjoy Bordeaux, not, not go into how proteins interact with tannins. And so that goes really to beer, too. And Ray really pushes that. And some of my very first conversations with him before I was ever a big part of the program was just that, that I really enjoyed just helping a person. So I could uh, say, for example, when uh, I was the beverage director at the Hopleaf, which is a big bar beer bar here in Chicago, instead of going through everything I knew about beer, because I knew that information, I could simply say something like, what's the last beer that you had that you really enjoyed? And let's say they said, you know, I know this is a Chicago beer. I'm just giving examples. Oh, I really love Half Acre Over Ale. Well, I know that that's an American brown ale, so maybe I didn't have that. But now I know I can find you something that you enjoy because by knowing that you like brown ales and American brown ales, I can know that you like hoppy. I know that you like caramel. I know that you like nutty flavors. So it's really about guiding a person to the right beer more than it is proving that you know something that somebody else doesn't because nobody wants a snob. Exactly. So, you know, going to that, that knowledge part of it then, what what are kind of the basic areas of knowledge that the, the Cicerone program kind of teaches and promotes? Right. So our exams are based on four key uh, categories. First is beer styles. Uh, the second is food and beer pairing. And when I say second, that doesn't mean an importance. It's just one of four, two of four. The third is brewing process ingredients and ingredients. And the last one is draft technology. So all three levels are based on those four key areas. Okay. Uh, now, you know, I know we kind of touched on this, but there's uh, three different levels of the Cicerone available. Um, what are those three and kind of what are the, you know, the, the differences between them? So the first level is called Certified Beer Server. That is a test that you can take online, and that's kind of the introductory. There's no real experience required, just a little bit of studying or potentially a lot of studying. <laughs> uh, that's kind of that first level. Maybe you're a bar back or maybe you're just starting to get into craft beer sales at your distributorship or you've taken a job at a brewery and you want to know a little bit more. This is kind of your baseline where we first start to introduce 
beer styles and the categories and a little bit about draft and understanding what a beer clean glass is. And so again, that test is taken online. The second level, the uh, certified Cicerone, and that's a, a registered trademark, and that's one of those big steps up. This one is a written test, which is really quite intense, you know, 160 to 170 written questions, not a whole lot of multiple choice. You have to know the answer. It's, it's written. Then there's also essays. There's a videotaped portion, and then there's also a, a tasting uh, where you go through 12 beers. So... The big thing that I say at this level is this is the level where you're really telling somebody, I'm a beer professional. I am somebody who is uh, understands beer well enough to really guide you through what you're looking for. If I'm a, a distributor rep, I can really help you find something for your bar. If you're having an issue with your draft lines, I might be able to do some troubleshooting for you. Uh, if I'm at a brewery, I'm I'm telling the distributors we have professional beer knowledge here. Uh, and then for myself, I was a beverage director at the Hopleaf, like I had said. When somebody came into a bar and they knew there was a Cicerone, they knew there was somebody there who understood glassware and proper, you know, carbonation levels and how to store beer and how to pair the beer to the menu. So that certified Cicerone is really that that professional beer level. And then the master Cicerone, there's only seven of those in the world. That is truly what it means to be a master at something. Uh, I took the exam, and it is a killer. I did not pass. <laughs> I'm hoping to take it again in 2015. And um, this, when I say there's seven people that passed and you have to be a master, this is the kind of thing that you can't just pass if you decide – I'm going to devote myself to doing nothing but passing this test. You have to have a certain aptitude to categorizing this type of information. And then you have to have a certain level of, there's almost like a physiological requirement because you have to be able to taste and evaluate uh, at a very high level. And that's physical, not mental. You know, I mean, it's both, but if you're completely blind to several off flavors, then you're going to have a great deal, a great deal of difficulty. So, you are truly a master if you pass that test. So basically, that the the tasting at that level is for somebody that can t you know can taste those tastes, but might not know what they are until they study them, versus somebody who can just drink you know the cheapest beer and think that it tastes phenomenal. You know, if you drink the cheapest beer and you think it tastes phenomenal, then I think that's awesome. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I think the same thing. You're spending less money. Uh, you know, there's a, a saying in uh, cuisine, and I'm going to butcher it, so I might not try it. It's Latin. Basically, it means there's no accounting for taste. Uh, the worst thing you could ever do is tell somebody they're wrong for what they like. Yeah. Because uh, that's just, well, that's the first step in becoming a snob. If if this beer is the beer you like, then that's the beer that you should drink. Now, I, I agree with you totally. I think that the most I'll ever do personally is if it's a company I know that is not a reputable company or not a, you know, they don't have good practices. Right. I might suggest against that company. But if somebody, you know, really loves it, then you can't really knock them for it. 
Right. No, I do. You know, when I teach and things like that, I'll talk about some of the benefits or the quality requirements and some of the beers that I think we're both thinking of right now. Hmm. And there's a difference between the quality of the product that's being created and the, let's say, the the moral integrity or business practice of the company producing it. Yeah. And so I think there's a difference between saying this is a good beer and this is a good company. And if you don't really care for the business practices of the company that's producing it, if we know the style, we might be able to find you something different. But you got to want something different first. I think one of my favorite stories of that is I was in a uh, craft beer bar uh, local to us. Um, and a couple came in and was talking to the bartender. And the bartender was walking them through a whole bunch of things because they'd never done craft beer before. And he said to the lady, uh, what, you know, what kind of beer do you really like? And she said, well, I really love Coors Light. And he said, well, we have a water tap, but other than that, we're probably going to have to try a couple different things. Yeah, you know, and that's that's probably one of the primary things I'd hope a, a certified Cicerone or a, Cicerone, a certified beer server would never say. Because, again, yeah. it really comes down to what you enjoy. And Coors Light, that is not – I see where a lot of craft beer drinkers look at that as water. And I think one of the things that happens as you start to study beer professionally is that you come to realize that's a very specific style called American light lager. American light lager takes a long lineage and history in this country going back to prohibition. It was a style that was created on purpose. It's not because they don't know how to brew better beer. They're brewing a very specific product to a very specific and tight taste profile even though it's extremely delicate and they do it very well and so if Coors Light is really what you like then and I don't have it then maybe I can find something else that really tastes like an American light lager um, so to tell somebody that they're wrong that's I just try never to tell somebody they're wrong about yeah something they enjoy whether it's a you know I think it's a travesty to to cook a filet too well done but there's people who love it so if I'm cooking your steak and you want it well done, I'm going to do my darndest to get a good well done for you. Yeah, and, and luckily these people saw the humor in it and, and they played yeah. along. But And there is humor, but you got to be careful between yeah. humor and and um, kind of propagating the idea that a person's tastes aren't appropriate. Like it mm -hmm. or not, most people drinking beer in the country, and overwhelming most, still want that style. So how can we say that's wrong? Well, I believe that just, um, I can't remember what beer uh, uh, contest it was, but uh, American Light Lager just won a pretty big award, I think, last year, year before. Not Great American Beer Fest. Uh, yeah, it'll come to me later. But anyway. Well, there's there's American Light Lagers that win uh, awards all the time, but yeah. an American Light Lager is not in a contest against a bourbon barrel-aged Imperial Stout. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're, they're in contest with other American Light Lagers. So, no, I kind of I have a rough idea what those different levels mean. Uh, one question about the middle level tasting. Um, yeah. What exactly is the middle level tasting? Is that being able to know what the beer is or uh, off flavors or what the style is? Like, what is the what, what do you, you taste for that? <laughs> you know, I really enjoy the tasting on the second level. I think it's fun. So there's 12 beers, which I told you, and that's broken down into three parts. In the first part, you get four beers and a control. 
and you're told what the beer what the beer is. You know, I might say this is Amstyle Light or this is Samuel Adams Light or or Miller Light or Coors Light. That is your base beer, and there will be three of those, then four that have off flavors like acid aldehyde or diacetyl or dimethyl sulfide or trans tunanol. And your job is to find the, the one of the four that's the control, same as the control glass we give you, and then f- figure out what the other three are. Okay. And then in the second portion, and you're given all, all the glasses at once, in the second portion, you have enough, four beers, and we give you a beer, and then we give you two styles. We might say, is this you know, a Hefeweizen or a Wit beer? And we give you it, and you basically just have to decide: is this a Hefeweizen or a Weizen beer, or is this a Wit beer? Uh, you know, is this a brown ale or a porter? Those that type of thing. So, okay. a little bit of style understanding there. And then in the last portion, it's kind of scenario based, and by kind of, I suppose it is scenario based. Hmm. And in the scenario, what you're saying is you are the beer buyer or a bar manager. Uh, maybe you're a sales rep, a customer hands you the beer back and says it's bad. Now we will tell you what the beer is and we're not lying to you. We, if we say this is Sierra Nevada pale ale, it's Sierra Nevada pale ale. And then we say, is it good enough to serve or isn't it? If it is good enough to serve, then there you go. If it's not good enough to serve, then we're asking you why it's not good enough to serve and maybe, uh, why that problem has happened. Okay. No, that that makes a lot more sense. I I thought it was more of a you have twelve different beers with issues or naming them. So that that actually seems a lot a lot more manageable and kind of fact based. Yes, it's very much so. And uh, obviously, you're touching on uh, different areas of knowledge all inside of tasting. Once you get to the master cicerone uh, exam, it's um, all bets are off. It, might be 12 beers name the style it might be 12 beers name the off flavor it might be 12 beers right description it's it's that's an intense exam <laughs> it's something that's also a lot of fun to to study for because you get to go to uh, the liquor store over and over and over <laughs> so you mentioned um you mentioned that there are seven um master cicerones in the world Yes. Um, do you have any rough numbers on how many of the other two levels there are? Well, as of about an hour and a half ago, we had 33,941 certified beer servers. Oh, wow. Just uh, 10 even today. That includes 240 in Canada and 539 internationally. We have certified beer servers in dozens of countries, several continents, um, it's become so popular up in Canada that we've started a Canadian chapter. We've even had to go out to the UK to give exams in England and in Scotland. Uh, they keep requesting us come out for the certified Cicerone. We have 1,121. And then we already talked about the seven masters. Yeah. That's a, a pretty, uh, pretty steep pyramid. Yes. It's a steep pyramid. Uh, you know, but each each level is a, a large step up, and the certified beer server you can take that exam online, so it makes it really easy for people around the world. We we can only give the exams, you know, so far out. I can't I can't go to Slovenia and give an exam unless there's a huge, <laughs> you know, a huge demand for yeah. it. 
but you can take that certified beer server at three o'clock in the morning, wherever you're at in the world. And it's, it's that first step. And it's a great step because you're telling somebody that you are interested in self-development and investing time, energy, and money into your own education. That's, I think that's one of the best ways to show somebody that you want to do this. Yeah, totally. I, I, I think that for any beer that, or any bar that calls himself a craft beer bar that the beer server should should be a requirement you know at, at least the knowledge in it in a lot of places there's some breweries who require everybody there's some bars that require it uh there you know there's a distributor here in chicago that requires every one of their sales reps to be certified cicerone or actively working toward uh their certification as oh, wow. Certified Cicerone. They are very specifically a craft brew distributor. They don't have anything else. So that's just kind of the way that distributor went toward it. So uh, it's certainly, I know it puts me at ease. If I walk into a bar and I know there's a certified Cicerone, I know that the beer is going to be kept well and that the, uh, the selection is going to have thought behind it. And so it really, just like you know, like I said, I'm a sommelier. If I'm going to a restaurant and I know it has a sommelier, I'm not worried about what's on the list. When I show up, I know I'll find something. So, um, so the, the second two exams obviously require, you know, to be in person. Um, you can't really taste over the internet yet. <laughs> no, not um, yet. Where in the U.S. Where do you give those? Just anywhere that you find a number of people, or is it centralized to your major areas, like you on the East Coast? You know, it's not centralized in the sense that we will give an exam anywhere if in the U.S. if a group has six or more first-time test takers. So you could call me from pretty much anywhere in the U.S. If you have six people that want to take the exam, we'll come out and do it for you. Otherwise, there are kind of centers around the country that tend to have a large population that we hold regular exams at. Um but then there's also smaller markets where we'll still go and do an exams. I just, in January, I went to Little Rock, Arkansas, you know, and Little Rock has a population of 200,000 people. So you can imagine it's a very small sliver that does beer, but we want to be able to bring our test to everybody and not make everybody have to travel. Uh, last year alone, we gave 93 exams. So oh, wow. we give a good number of exams. We try to be uh, spread out. Myself, Nicole Ernie, uh, one of the master Cicerones, who is the West or the Western Regional Exam Manager. When we have exams that are kind of getting close to each other, we do a good job of coordinating. So if I'm giving an exam in New Orleans, we'll talk so that we spread them out from Texas exams so that people can travel to one or the other and we don't bunch them up. So we really put a lot of energy in ensuring that somebody, you can get a test within a good distance uh, of you, wherever you're at. But again, if you have six people taking the exam for the first time, we'll come out. So last big question about the, the exams themselves, um, or the levels themselves. Mm -hmm. um, if I want to be a certified Cicerone, do I have to take the first exam? Yes. Okay. They build on top of each other, and that's you know the same way, because I know you've asked me, and, and some of your questions look like they were comparing the sommelier to the Cicerone. It's the same thing with every sommelier program. You can't just jump to master or whatnot. 
and that that makes sense. It doesn't. I mean, the the knowledge really, like you said, really builds on. You know, they build right. on each other. They build on each other, and you know, it'd really be unfair almost to let people go straight to certified Cicerone because you'd have so many people who would take it and go, "Oh my lord, look how poorly I did. This yeah. wasn't fair." Yeah. So it's almost kind of like a pre-qualifier. That makes a lot of sense. Um, because believe it or not, we want people to pass. The more people that pass certified beer server, the more people that pass certified Cicerone, the stronger the program, the stronger the name, and the more your certification and your credential matters. Okay. But we can't change the – we can't make the exam easier or change the way we do things just to get more people to pass. Otherwise, we would start watering down the name. Yeah. One of the things that's so great about the program and about the certification is that the credential carries quite a bit of weight. You know, when I have I have friends here in Chicago that have been trying and trying and trying, and and one of my friends at the distributor, she she passed the other day, and I was her first phone call because I've helped her and I've done some <laughs> training for her off, and she's like, oh my god, I finally passed, and huh. like. They're so excited. They want to put the the little certified Cicerone bug on their cell phone cases. And, and again, you know, you walk into a bar, you tell somebody you're looking for a job and you say that they know, or if the person understands the program knows that you have spent a great deal of time studying professionally, spending money to buy beers and taste them. Uh, and when you tell an employer that you've spent time, energy, and resources to become a professional, you put yourself at the top of the pack. Definitely. So, um, kind of moving from the the programs themselves or the levels themselves to how someone can get ready for them. Um, you know, first for the 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 higher two exams that might include off flavors and things like that. How do you recommend someone prepare for that? Because you can I've read a lot about off flavors and yes. I I know what they are, but it's hard to request a beer with an off flavor. Yeah. Until you might find a, a bottle of beer that's really old and oxidized. But until someone says here, this is trans tuna This is papery. That's what that is. And this is what happens from it. It's hard. So I agree. You kind of need to taste them uh, in, in a controlled setting where you know what it is. We offer an off flavor kit. Actually, we use oh, a Roxa spikes. Aroxa is a company uh, from Europe, and we have partnered with them to create very special tasting kits. The tasting kit has one of each of the big off flavors that we have in our syllabus to include the infection spike, which is unique to us. Aroxa actually produces the infection spike just for us, and that's kind of neat because it mimics some things that are specifically uh, related to draft world. And so you can get that kit from us. And with that kit comes an off flavor seminar online, which is taught by Ray Daniels himself. So you get to actually, uh, taste the beer with the off flavor and see the PowerPoint and listen to Ray talk about what they are. And I think that's a great way. That's what I did. Uh, when I was still in culinary school, before I was working in beverages professionally, that's how I tasted them the first time, and that got me through the exam. Oh, well, that makes a lot of sense. I don't think the uh, certified Cicerone's in my near future, but that I might just get that kit just to kind of better understand that. 
Yeah, well, you know, not everybody who is going after certified Cicerone gets these kits from us. Uh, when we first produced them, we didn't realize how popular they were going to be, and we sold out so quickly. Uh, a lot of homebrew clubs will get them because there's enough beer uh, for a bottle, and that's good for, you know, 6 to 12 people, depending on how much you want to pour for each person. So homebrew clubs who are really trying to learn, like, why do I have, you know, all right, I keep reading about this will create uh, dimethyl sulfide or this will create diacetyl, but what exactly is that? So homebrew clubs will get it and go through the entire seminar to kind of learn a little bit more about uh, what's happening with their beer, and that helps them improve it. So we have a lot of that. When I was working at the Hop Leaf, we taught some off-flavor seminars, and just your your beer enthusiasts loved coming out to them because – when you really start getting into something, the more you know about it, the more you kind of appreciate it. So we find a lot of beer enthusiasts just do it for fun. Get four or five friends together on a Friday night, and and it's a big joke, like, oh, we're getting together to taste bad beer. <laughs> but it's so much fun, and you get to learn. And then the first time you're at a bar and you taste diacetyl, you're like, holy, holy cow, this is diacetyl. I totally got it. And then you're proud of yourself. <laughs> Yeah, that's one thing my I'd say some of my friends like going out and drinking with me is I'm okay with most of the, the off flavors. And it's surprising how many people, if they don't know it exists, will never taste it until you name it and say, you know, pick out this taste and that's what it is. Yes. You know, and they say, oh, wow, I, I never noticed it. And then they kind of get mad at you because you ruined their beer for them. But <laughs> Yeah. Well, I think. Two of the ones that really stick out for me with that kind of scenario is the diacetyl. Because buttery is such a pervasive flavor in our culture, we grow up going to the movies and having buttered popcorn, so we think it's a normal flavor. Uh, when you f first start discovering it in beer and realize the styles that shouldn't have it, then it's kind of like that. You're like, oh, something's wrong here. <laughs> <laughs> or you might be blind to the flavor. Altogether, I've known people yeah. who just can't taste diacetyl or just can't taste DMS. Um. So that's the, you know, the the taste training part for those. Um, I know your site actually says uh, has some books you recommend for all three levels of of reading and learning. Um, but training wise, are there any? Uh, do you offer so for the uh, certified beer server? Do you offer a training where? Um, I say I own a bar that I can pay someone to come out and teach that information to my staff, or is it more I give them the syllabus and they take the test? There are actually several options. First and foremost, we're a certification body. So our primary objective is the certification process. After that, while there, there are people all over the country who offer training, and we even have some of them on our website because we can't train the world, and again, like I had mentioned, we don't want to be the source, sole source of information on which we test because that wouldn't seem very fair either. So there are a lot of resources out and about in the country that you can learn from, and we give you this syllabus. However, we also offer training. For the certified beer server, yes, you can call us and we can put together a training package and Ray Daniels will come out or... Pat Fahey, who's a master Cicerone, will come out and give you a one-day class to prepare you for the certified uh, beer server. We also have 
an online training program called Beer Savvy. Beer Savvy is awesome. So, so much so that I'm a certified Cicerone and I work for the program and, you know, I do beverages professionally. And when I started the program, I went through Beer Savvy, Beer Savvy for the first time just so I was familiar with the products and I still learn stuff. So Beer Savvy is maybe four to six, potentially eight hours worth of online PowerPoints, presentations, um, check on learning, quizzes. And then at the end of that, you actually get to take the test as part of, of, the, of the purchase. So that's an online training tool. And if you were a bar that had 10 people you wanted to go through it, we also have bulk pricing. So that's a way to be able to get all your employees through certified beer server. Um, or again, you could uh, bring one of us out and we can do the, the training on site. So lots of options. Nice. Um, is there any book or books that you recommend for people that might just wanting, that are just getting started in the Cicerone program, you know, for the certified beer server, say, yeah. um, I, you know, I know designing great beers is one of my favorites for, right. you know, enormous amounts of information. <laughs> yes, it is. I, I absolutely adore designing great beers. I would say you want to start looking at that book partially when you're hitting certified Cicerone and heavily when you're hitting master Cicerone for the certified beer server. When you're first starting out, I kind of see, um, I kind of have the big five. I tell people first is the draft beer quality manual, which is produced by the brewers association and it's a free resource, but that's a book that starts teaching you about draft technology, what the names of the parts are, how they work. So that's really important to go through. Then you have the Beer Judge Certification Program Guidelines, the BJCP. That's, again, another free resource, and that is the resource from which we draw our, uh, our numbers, you know, our original gravities and IBUs and all that kind of stuff, and that's a free resource. So those two you should definitely be thumbing through as you read about styles to get more information. Then the other three, uh, first would be Randy Mosier's book, uh, tasting beer. That is probably the closest thing to a book that covers most of the program. It's very easy to read. It's very well put together. So that's an indispensable. I've never seen somebody walk into a test that didn't have that under their arm. Uh, and then I think it's really important to have the Oxford Companion to Beer just because it's such a big resource that when you're studying something, if there's a word you don't understand or you want to learn a little bit more you can go to that. It's your encyclopedia. And then for brewing, there's so many great brewing books out there. How to Brew by John Palmer is one of them. Uh, you know, you could always go backward in time and, and read one of the ones that was written by Charlie Papazian so long ago. I hope I pronounced his right name right. Um, but How to Brew is a great one by John Palmer. We have that on our website. We do list, we have an entire list of resources for you on our website. But those are the, the kind of big five I, I think people should probably have in their, their library. I'm really glad to see Randy Mosher got in there. Um, had him on an episode a couple months ago. He's one of the most interesting beer guys I think I've ever talked to. Yes, he is a delight to chat with. Extremely intelligent. Um, and just, he's so enthusiastic. The, the very first time I talked to him, he didn't know me from Adam. And he was still just happy to sit there and smile and, and chat about beer. And 
it's one of those things where you know you're talking to somebody who's a master of their trade and you know so little comparison, but who was still so happy to talk with me at my level and answer my questions. And it was just, it's yeah, it's a delight talking to Randy. Yeah, I, I agree totally. I was pretty nervous going into the conversation with him. Yeah, it's like, you know too much compared to me. I don't even know what I would say. But, you know, in the military, they have a saying, you know, he puts his pants on one leg at a time just like me. Uh, you know, if a private's talking about a general, hey, he puts on his pants one leg at a time just like me. You know, and so does he. <laughs> yeah, and that's one thing I hope people kind of glean from all these shows that I do is, you know, from talking to someone like you, from talking to Randy, that, you know, these people that know so much more, uh, it's kind of what we touched on at the beginning, that, you know, people that know a lot about beer ideally are very approachable and they should be. Yes, well, that's exactly the idea of being a certified Cicerone or a master Cicerone is that you have this knowledge to be able to guide people. You know, I don't need to guide another master Cicerone or or not another. I don't need to guide a master. A master doesn't need to guide me. I mean, maybe in education. But the idea is that you're helping guide somebody who's an enthusiast or just enjoys beer or they're trying to learn more toward the right beer. Uh, And beer people tend to be very laid back. But your certified Cicerones, they're, they're the, you know, they're the professionals and the masters of the masters. And so they're going to know more just as, you know, I'm, I might like, uh, let's say I like biology, but if I'm talking to a, a doctor of biology, <laughs> I, I'm not even sure I would understand how to phrase the question yeah. uh, for him or her. So people just become masters of their trade, and the certified Cicerone program is helping people become a master of this trade, of beer. I couldn't agree more. Um, to kind of finish this up, I-, I wanted to actually actually ask you a question more so just to help me and you know maybe someone else will get some benefit from it. Um, it when you're out or when any of us are out at a bar and we get either extremely incorrect glassware or um, you know somewhat not beer clean glassware or worse yet you know frozen glassware. Is there a do you, do you have a way that you can nicely alert the person about it, or you know, is it best to just shut up and mm. drink it? Uh, my approach is to first spit the beer out, then break the glass <laughs> in the bar and scream. Uh, no, that is not at all my approach. Uh, you know, a long time ago, I started realizing that beer in frozen glasses was just a bad idea. So. One of my approaches is to first pay attention before I order a beer. When you walk into a bar, just scan. If you see frozen glasses coming out, first thing you should do when you order your beer is just say, hey, do you have non-frozen glasses? I'm not going to try to tell the bar, the, the owner, or the server that frozen glasses aren't a good idea, you know, because there's some venues where that's what the customer wants, and so the bar is just going to do it. Um, so, like I said, I'll look around. If I see frozen glasses coming out or chilled glasses, I'm going to ask for a non-chilled glass. And usually they're perfectly happy to oblige. If I see every single beer coming out in an American uh, shaker, you know, the pint glass, then if I – and everything comes out in that, 
I might not order a double IPA or an imperial stout because that's too large. So a little bit of it I consider on me, just paying attention. But if a if a glass comes out and, and the bubbles are all stuck to the side, it's very clearly dirty. If I was at a very well-known craft beer bar who prides themselves on beer clean glasses and there is a certified Cicerone, I might tell the server because a certified Cicerone, whoever's managing that bar, would want to know. If I was at a lesser known kind of bar or a type of place that I knew that wasn't their deal and wouldn't really know what I was saying to them, I might just, uh, you know, tap the, the glass on the table. <laughs> As a matter of fact, really funny is, uh, and here here's a great example of how laid back you can really be with this. As I sat down, I was having a beer with the staff of the Cicerone program, and the beer that came out to me was in a handled mug and just bubbles on the side of the glass from top to bottom, which is just the worst sign of a beer clean glass. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and uh, we were actually at a bar that's very well known for beer, as a matter of fact. So it would have been fine for me to tell the manager. But uh, Ray Daniels looked at the glass, took it from me. Uh, kind of tapped it on the table so all the beer bubbles came off the sides and, and slid the glass back. He goes, there you go, it's beer clean now. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, just because you know something's wrong doesn't always mean you have to tell somebody. It really depends on whether you think it's going to make a difference. If I taste a beer that's exceptionally bad, when I say bad, I mean something's wrong with it, I might, I, I would send it back because nobody should have to drink something that's wrong. But for example, one of the things that people miss in wine is that when the person gives you that little taste, they're not asking if you like the wine, you've already chosen the wine. They're asking you if there's anything wrong with it. And if there's nothing wrong with it, you accept it even if you don't like it. So if I order a beer and I don't like it, I'm going to drink it. If the bartender recommended it to me, uh, and I don't like it, then there's some give and take there when saying, yeah, you recommended this. I don't like it. It's not what I was asking for. So, you know, that's it's kind of a hard answer. I would say look around the bar, see what the environment is, under, you know, what's the culture of the bar. Um, and I would say to to not sound like a jerk if you really want to send something back, even if it was my best friend managing the bar, I would always start with, I might be wrong. Um, I'm not 100% sure. I was wondering if maybe you have a bar manager who wanted to taste this. I think there might be something wrong. I'm not 100% sure, but this mm -hmm. is, you know, I've had this beer before and this isn't doesn't quite taste right to me. Uh, I'm sorry to be a hassle. I'm happy to pay for it anyways. Um, you can say that. If they ever actually charge you after that, never go back. Yeah. <laughs> but... So that, I, I think that's kind of the long, drawn-out answer to how do I send a beer back. So I, I think when I actually post this episode, it's going to be the interview with Drew from Cicerone or how to not be a jerk with craft beer. <laughs> not to be a jerk with craft beer. Um, if, you, if you post it as the Cicerone, I would put up Cicerone Certification Program uh, with a little registered R mark. Um, and you're welcome to use my name in it. And if you do, you're, you're, are a hundred percent welcome to, uh, put my email address in there, drew at okay. org. 
I am always happy to answer somebody's question, uh, whether it's about the program, whether it's about beer. You can ask me questions about wine, spirits, food, you name it. I'm happy to answer. Excellent. Well, that was about everything I had to ask you. Uh, before we go, is there anything else new coming from Cicerone in the future, like any new trainings or products that you know, everyone might you know, not see if they don't visit the site, or is it kind of business as usual for right now, just getting some more people up to speed? Right. It's never business as usual Yeah, <laughs> because there's, there's always things to learn and do. Uh, we're always developing new products. There's always something new in the pipeline. Uh, I would say keep your eyes peeled this year for some new things in the works that is going to be really exciting and people are really going to uh, grasp onto and be excited about. Awesome. Well, I'm, I'm going to have to keep going back. Um, Drew, thank you very much for taking the time today. I really do appreciate it. Um, you know, this was, you know, I, I tried to do this to give information to the people that listen to the site and the episode. Sure. But I learned a lot, too, so thank you. Absolutely, and that's why I said, you know, Drew, D-R-E-W, at Cicerone.org. If you've got a question, I am happy to field it. Excellent. Well, Drew, thank you. Uh, everyone else, thank you very much for listening. And if you have any questions, I'll put Drew's contact information in the post, and you can get a hold of him. So thanks again, and cheers. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Craft Beer Showdown podcast. Make sure to check out craftbeeracademy.com for more information and to give feedback on today's show. Don't forget to watch the next episode live on Google Plus Hangouts or YouTube by going to craftbeeracademy.com slash live dash show.